Ciao, my name is Umberto Mucci and this is We The Italian News, a podcast about Italy during coronavirus times. Today is Thursday, May 5, 2022. Dear friends, the beginning of these videos from the first day explains that this is a podcast about Italy during coronavirus times. But for the first time, after more than 300 videos, there is no new important news about coronavirus in Italy to mention in this video. Hopefully, it means that the worst is over, probably, uh, and with a bit of luck, spring and summer will be quite good, or at least this is the concrete hope. I gotta be honest, I continue to put the mask in the supermarket even if it is no longer mandatory. The key moment will come in the fall, when in the two previous years uh, there have been new very bad waves. For the moment, the situation is more or less stable. The virus circulates and still kills people. But thanks to the success of the vaccination campaign, Italy is learning more or less to live with it. The European Commission, the body that governs the European Union, has decided the sixth round of sanctions against Russia. And amongst these sanctions, there is also the stop to the purchase of Russian oil which, however, is scheduled only for the end of the year, seven months, to adopt countermeasures and close existing contracts. But some Eastern European countries, particularly dependent on Russian oil, have asked to be exempt from these sanctions. Hungary even threatens to veto the sanctions. The European Union, in fact, works only with the union unanimity of all 27 countries, and this complicates decisions. Also for this reason, two days ago the head of the Italian government, Mario Draghi, intervened in the European Parliament seat of Strasbourg. Did you know that the European Parliament has two seats, Bruxelles and Strasbourg, in two different European countries, one in Belgium and one in France? It's one of the many strange, sometimes weird things of the European Union. By the way, I was saying that Draghi, with a speech that was much applauded, argued that the principle of unanimity must be overcome, that Europe must accelerate its integration by revising the treaties that govern it. There are four pillars of the new Europe hoped for by Draghi. A common and united energy policy, a common defense, a federalism that is finally able to function, a common debt as a weapon to face the great crisis of these times. In practice, finally, the United States of Europe as a space not only economic but also of defense of human rights and dignity. It is difficult, therefore, to arrive at the European embargo on Russian oil, and it will be almost impossible, probably, to arrive at the same European embargo but on Russian gas. The Italian government minister in charge of environment and energy, who actually has the official title of Minister for the Ecological Transition, has stated that Italy needs six months to reach the 90% storage needed to get through the next winter with some peace of mind if the Russian gas supply were to be interrupted. In this case, therefore, it would be necessary to apply austerity measures by further reducing the consumption of electricity in our country. Considering that before the war Russia was selling us 40% of the gas we were using, based on the measures already taken by the Italian government and those planned, Italy will not be able to fully replace Russian gas before the end of 2024. According to the government's estimates, interrupting the purchase of oil and gas from Russia would also lead Italy to a further chain of price increases that would affect economic activity, consumption and employment. Inflation would rise to 7.6% and at the end of the year GDP growth would stand at 0.6% and in 2023 at 0.4%. This would also mean the loss of 1.3 percentage points of employment in 2022 and 1.2 points in 2023. 
In concrete terms, about 293,000 Italians would lose their jobs this year and another 272,000 next year. And obviously, Italian families and companies would also pay a very high price, which for some would or could be unbearable. But there is also good news. As of March 2022, employment growth continued in Italy, with the number of employed, of employed people back above 23 million. The employment rate rose to 59.9%, a record high since it has been measured. The increase observed compared to the beginning of the year, amounting to almost 170,000 employed, is mainly concentrated among employees, i.e. hired with a contract by a company. Compared to March 2021, the growth in the number of employed is 800,000 units. In more than half of the cases, it concerns employees with fixed-term contracts. The unemployment rate in March fell to 8.3%, returning to 2010 levels. However, the unemployment rate among young people in March is still very high at 24.55%. <clears throat> in Italy, however, the increase in fixed-term contracts is only good news for some. You have to know that in Italy there is the myth of the permanent job, the one from which nobody can fire you and you'll stay for your whole life, a legacy of a past in which work was very, very, very different from today. So many people believe that if someone finds a fixed-term job, this is not good news. The world changes, but sometimes in Italy some people believe that change does not apply to them. Rome's University La Sapienza is the top university in Italy according to the 2022-2023 ranking by the Center for World University. The rankings show that La Sapienza is in 37th place at a European level and 113th position in the world out of the approximately 20,000 higher education institutes surveyed. These ranking rates World University based on criteria including quality of education, alumni employment, quality of faculty and research performance. In Italy, after La Sapienza, there is the University of Padua in Veneto, University of Milan in Lombardy, and University of Bologna in Emilia-Romagna. The news comes a couple of weeks after La Sapienza confirmed its position as the top university in the world for classical studies and ancient history in the 2022 edition of the Quacquarelli Simons World University Rankings. One of the oldest universities in the world, La Sapienza was founded by Pope Boniface VIII in 1303. Paolo Sorrentino's Oscar-nominated autobiographical drama, The End of God, took top honors at Italy's 67th Davide Donatello Awards, winning Best Picture, Director, Supporting Actress, and tying for the Best Cinem Cinematography Statuette. The Davide Donatello are the Italian version of the Hollywood Oscars. Sorrentino's Naples-set film about the personal tragedy and the other vicissitudes that drove him to become a top-notch film director had been the frontrunner along with young Helmer Gabriele Smanetti's second feature, the elegant effects-laden historical fantasy Freaks Out, which won six prizes including for its producer as well as cinematographer, set design and effects. The Davids were held as a full in-person ceremony at Rome Cinecitta Studios, just as, the, just as the famed facilities undergo a radical renewal. The Best Actress statuette went to 17-year-old Suomi Rotolo for a radiant role as a titular character in Jonas Carpignano's Achiara, a Calabrian teenager who gradually comes to discover that her close-knit family has ties to organize crime. Uh, uh, Monica Vitti, uh, uh, a tribute was paid uh, uh, to the memory of the late Monica Vitti, who was Michelangelo Antonioni's muse and starred in his L'Aventura. Vitti died in February at 90. Giuseppe Donatore's Ennio Morricone Doc Ennio took the best documentary David 
The David Donatello Lifetime Achievement Award went to stage and screen star Giovanna Ralli, 87, who embodies the grandeur of cinema italiano, having worked with maestros such as Vittorio De Sica and Roberto Rossellini, and alongside Marcello Mastroianni and Stefania Sandrelli, just to name a few. Well, my friends, it's all for now. It's all for today. Please continue to stay safe. My name is Umberto Mucci. This was We The Italian News. I'll see you next Monday. Ciao from Rome.